Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry White. Welcome to Sunday Talks. We are continuing a season this summer we're calling Psalms for the Summer. In fact, this is be the sixth one of these we've done. Of course, the first few were in person in a Sunday night uh, sermon series we did during our uh, times of worship. Uh, since we've been doing Sunday Talks these last couple of summers, it's been online. And so this summer, I'm enjoying getting to go through Psalm 51 through Psalm 60. And tonight we'll be in Psalm 52. Uh, I want to just read you a quote from uh, R.C. Sproul, as he co- just a comment, one sentence, in fact, that he made about, about this passage. He said that this psalm, Psalm 52, expresses confidence in the Lord like a psalm of trust, pronounces judgment on the wicked like a lament, and uses, wi- uses wisdom language. And so it's really a combination of, of the typical psalm, of also a, a, a judgment of almost prophetic, like a lament that Jeremiah might have spoken, and then some of the wisdom literature that Solomon might have written at other times. And so it's all combined in these few nine verses that we have. Before I actually read the text, I want to uh, go back, and I'll do this every week d- during the summer as we go through the uh, these particular psalms, because all of them have a heading that gives you a story, the backstory, if you will, of what goes on. And the two two people mentioned in in this heading, and I'll go ahead and read you the heading, uh, which is also part of part of God's word that we pre- have have preserved for us. It says to the choir master, a maskil of David, or maskil of David. In other words, a teaching. When Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. So there's a couple of names in there, Doeg and Ahimelech, and Ahimelech a little bit more familiar maybe than Doeg, but but give you a little backstory on these two men and the whole thing that was going on that led up to this. And so it's good to have those kind of statements to begin with because it tells us story before the story. So they're even the setting of this writing of this psalm. And so Doeg was a herdsman for Saul, uh, working out in the fields. Ahimelech was one of the priests, and uh, the high priest, in fact, during that time. And so during this time, you read about this in 1 Samuel 21, 22, uh, David has been anointed as king, even though Saul is still king. But, but Samuel comes and points out David as, as the next king, anoints him. And so even though there's not been the official exchange, in God's view, David is the king. And so when Saul understands this, he becomes enraged and he's angry at David. Uh, he wants to kill him and does take attempts at his life. And then so David runs off and is in hiding and uh, uh, comes to Ahimelech, Ahimelech the high priest. Ahimelech feeds uh, David and his, and his associates, takes care of them. Doeg is a herdsman who over, who sees this. He's out there, likely in the field, sees sees David at, at with Ahimelech uh, at a place called Nob of all the places. It's not Bald Nob, but it's called Nob. And uh, there, uh, then Doeg, this herdsman, goes back to Saul and says, "Hey, I saw them," and it kind of turns turns into a spy and turns him over. And so what happens is then now David's in danger. Ahimelech is in danger, and uh, so. Saul asked Doeg about the whereabouts of, of, uh, 
uh, of David. This is in First Samuel uh, 22, verse 9. It says, Then answered Doeg the Edomite, uh, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse, David, coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahithotub. Um, so therefore, all this happens. And so now... Uh, Saul is enraged not only at David but at, at the high priest, and he orders that that uh, uh, that these priests would be killed. Uh, and and uh, so here's what happens as you go on down further in First Samuel chapter 22. It says, and the king said to Doeg, "You turn and kill the priest." So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest. And listen to this: this one man and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. So this one man, Doeg, who's just a herdsman, wipes out 85 priests, their families, children, babies, oxen, donkeys, sheep, all this. Bible says that only one man was escape, able to escape from that, and he runs and tells David. And so David's heart is saddened. Uh, hundreds of people lost their lives uh, because someone was trying to find David out, and some of those were people who were friends of David, the priest who took care of him. And so David is writing this. This is a sad song. It certainly starts off that way. And so I want to read to you. I want you to know all that backstory, and then I want to read you the passage. Psalm 52, starting with verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. says this, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all the words that devour, O deceitful tongue, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. Many people read this. Of course, it is. I think it is written primarily about Doeg. The, the in, introduction showed us that. But also, some people read this passage, and J. Vernon McGee is one of those, that says that this is also a prophetic word about the Antichrist that we read about in the New Testament. So Doeg is often compared to that in, in this passage. In fact, Psalm 52, 53, 54, and 55 are all seen as, as uh, prophetic words about the coming Antichrist and, and what's going to happen to him. Doeg and the Antichrist do share this in common that they were uh, they're mischief makers and they're, they're to cause trouble and trying to thwart God's plan. But like the Antichrist, Doeg was unsuccessful in that. So just briefly, I want to take you through three, three descriptions of this evil man and his and uh, put it into perspective as, as God sees it. First of all, David just describes him in those first four verses what this evil man is about. He's boastful. He's boastful in his sin. The Bible teaches us that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to make great boast about his own sin. We saw in Psalm 51 about David's life. It was Psalm 51 was about his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and all that went with that and the murder of her husband. When David was confronted with his own sin, he was broken. He was remorseful. He was repentant. 
But in contrast, this man of, of might, this Doeg and the Antichrist who will come, both were very boastful in their sin. And as I was thinking about this, uh, particularly we're in the month of June right now, uh, across our country, uh, there is a, a theme. And in fact, if you turn on the news, you almost see this on some news channels almost daily, uh, acknowledgement that this month is, is Gay Pride Month. And that uh, uh, the rainbow dis- display of that, um, I just think about in our own country how shameful and, and depraved we have become as a nation to gloat in what the Bible calls sin and to, to celebrate it and even attempt to use God's symbol of promise and hope to, to relish in it. There's no reason anybody should boast in sin, whether that's homosexual sin, heterosexual sin, uh, violence, greed, all the sins that God has prohibited. To boast in that is, is God's Word says it's evil. Now, Doeg uh, is called the Edomite. He was one of the offspring of Esau. Um, Esau, if you think about him, was considered in, in Old Testament and in New as a, as a man who wasn't holy, who was a man who was deceptive and tri- used trickery. Um, Doeg, because he was a, an Edomite, was not necessarily a Jew, may have become a, 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 a proselyte to, to Judaism. Um, he's mighty, he's wealthy. Uh, but he's not getting his strength from God. He, he, he boasts and revels in his love for evil. He is destructive. His, he's, um, his main source, as far as what David talks about, of his, of, his, of his evil and his enjoyment for evil, are in his words. Think about James chapter 1 that talks about the power of words and how, how a tongue can set a forest ablaze. Our words are powerful, and His words are compared like a razor, that He plots a destruction with His words. And really, even though when He comes and He, and he turns David in, He's still, in fact, the Bible here calls Him a liar. He's, 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 when, you, when we tell the truth with the wrong motive, it, it's certainly in the same, same, uh, same field of, of lies. Uh, Revelation twenty two fifteen says that hell is reserved for everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And so David paints a real awful picture of who Doeg is and of, of all those who are evil. And then he goes in verse 5 to tell us real clearly that, that, to describe the evil man's end, what's going to happen to him. He uses three word pictures in verse 5 to, to describe his destruction. He talks about that God will not, and then God is going to do this. It's not man that's going to destroy him, but God's going to do this. So he's going to break him down. He's going to break him down forever, eternally. Um, I think it speaks to eternal judgment and hell and the separation from God. So he's going to be snatched from his home. He's going to be uprooted like a tree from among the living. Uh, it speaks of total, complete, uh, utter eternal destruction. And that's what happens to this evil man. And then verse 6 and through verse 9, he turns and focuses on the outcome for the righteous. First, he, he says that that when, when the evil one is crushed, when he's defeated, then all of those who are righteous are going to acknowledge that it was God that did this. And, and that is going to spark in them a righteous fear. Part of the fear of God is to know the wrath of God and know His ability to punish and that He will punish those who, who disobey Him and those who reject Him. At the same time, it, it removes the fear that they had once for this mighty man. That, that because we fear... That's, that's a great analogy that once you fear God, you have no reason to fear man. And that's where David finds himself. And then he compares himself to a green olive tree. Uh, you know, olive trees are some of the longest living trees on earth. Um, 
mostly started there in the Middle East. And, and if you see them in other places, that's where they really originated. And they lived for several centuries. In fact, many people believe that the olive trees that are there in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus uh, spent a, a night in prayer and often would go to pray, that those are the same trees that were there when Jesus was there. Uh, they produce a fruit, they produce a oil and a berry that is used for nourishment and, and certainly a big part of the culture of the Mid Middle East. Uh, they're never tall or towering, but they're sturdy, small trees that stay close to the ground and, and are able to tolerate drought and all kinds of uh, things that come against them. David says of himself, Psalm 52, verse 8, but I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. Some versions say I'm like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. They both mean the same thing. The green olive tree is the young tree when it's young or when it's bearing fruit and that it's, it's, it's uh, alive and it's, it's, uh, has great health and productivity. He says, that's where I am in the house of God. The evil man may be, may be out there doing his work. He may be causing destruction. He may be doing things that, that uh, uh, bother me or have troubled me, but I'm flourishing in the house of God. And David concludes by where he began with his sadness about the murder of the priest in, in Doeg, and, and, and now he comes to the end to say, I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful to God for His steadfast love. Some versions say there the mercy. Uh, you hear me, anytime we come to the Psalms, I talk about this word because it's all through the book of Psalms. It's a Hebrew word, hesed. It is a unique word. It's one of my favorites. Probably, my, probably is my favorite uh, Hebrew word. It means unlimited, the unlimited nature of God's mercy, love, and grace, all wrapped up in one in one word. If we had one English word that was love, mercy, and grace at an unlimited amount, uh, that that would be we'd use this word there. But we don't have one, so we use steadfast love and mercy and grace and all these things to describe it. But that's what David says. God's full of that, and I'm thankful for that. And then he says, and as he concludes that that now we're going to wait for Him. We're going to wait upon His name. We're going to trust in Him. We're going to, it's going to result in gratitude for us. Think about Psalm 52. David writes this out of his own, out of his own heartbreak and loss and, and struggle. He begins by acknowledging this evil man who murdered all these people. And then he comes to where his destruction is for that man. And then he comes back and where, where, where he is and his trust in God. We look at our world today and we look anywhere, in any direction. There is evil everywhere. It's constantly on the news right now. We're being reminded of, of what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and these children being murdered. And even those who weren't murdered, those who were just brought through that kind of experience and will live that the rest of their lives. Evil exists all over the world. It exists in Moscow and Beijing and North Korea and Washington, D.C. It exists in Conway, Arkansas. Go right outside your home and there's evil all about us everywhere. And, and the evil that's in this world often appears to be winning, often appears to have the upper hand. But Psalm 52 is a reminder to us, especially when we get to the end, that God will prevail, that His, His Word will prevail, He will prevail, His people right alongside of Him will prevail. And that's our hope, that's our future. And so I pray that this, this psalm will be a place we can return to and say, I'm going to put my hope in Him. I'm going to rest in Him and have peace in knowing that His steadfast love is forever. Hope this has been helpful to you. If it has, please let us know about that and also encourage you to uh, share this information and this time we've shared with you. Share that with somebody else. Thank you.